as you're being seated, if you would please take out your copies of God's word this morning with me as we turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Got a very familiar face and familiar character that we're going to be looking at today. I hope this will provide a blessing to you. Once again, we'll be reading out of Luke chapter 19. to be starting in verse 1. Listen carefully because this is God's word to you, Knollwood, today. And he, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's the word. Let's now once more go to God in prayer and ask his blessing on our text today. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for this word that you've given to us today. Help us to see this rather familiar story in a new light. And may it bring great comfort to us today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before us, as I've said, this is a very, very familiar story. In fact, for many of us, this might be the first story that we've heard out of the Bible because it has a wonderful, catchy tune that we have put it to of Zacchaeus being the wee little man and a wee little man was he. My mom added a line that it was because he didn't eat his vegetables when we were children. So it's a good, it's a good reminder. So. Eat your vegetables, you'd be climbing trees to see Jesus. But Zacchaeus, while we tend to reduce him to just the little nursery rhyme song, Zacchaeus actually sums up a lot of what we have been seeing in Luke here so far. I'm indebted to one of my commentators, Daryl Bach, for pointing out all of these examples that Zacchaeus is like. He went all the way back to Luke chapter 3. It's when the tax collectors were meeting with John the Baptist. And they were saying, what should we do now that we have come to hear about the kingdom? And John the Baptist says, take no more taxes than you're supposed to. In other words, stop stealing from people. You can do your job, but don't steal from folks. 
And they truly do, and they truly repent, just like Zacchaeus does here. And he is not going to defraud people anymore and pay back those that he has. He is also like Levi, the tax collector, or Matthew as we know him, in that he was called suddenly by Jesus, and immediately there is repentance and faith in his life. But Zacchaeus is also unlike other people. If you remember the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus, the poor man who is barely able to be alive, who is sitting at the front gate of the rich man who is ignored. Zacchaeus is not like that. He sees the poor and is willing to address their sufferings. He's also not like the rich young ruler that we saw most recently, who was very rich, but he passed up Jesus because he had possessions. And he didn't want to give those things up. Zacchaeus brings all of these themes and people together. But we're not going to focus on Zacchaeus today. The focus of our passage, as it always should be, is on Christ. And the little bit of focus that we do give to Zacchaeus is so that we understand Jesus better. And how Jesus interacts with our tax collector friend here is how we can better understand how he can interact with us. So we're going to look at two points today, as you can see in your outline tucked into your bulletin. The first is that Jesus seeks and saves the lost. That's our main point that we're going to be looking at, is Jesus seeks and saves the lost, but also Jesus transforms the found. Jesus transforms the found. These are really simple sentences. But in these two sentences is what gives us our hope to live the Christian life. Gives us a hope that no matter where we are, Jesus can find us, whether on the road or up a tree, as we're going to see today. So let's take a look at the first, that Jesus seeks and saves the lost. So we're picking up here in verse 1 that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. If you remember from last week, Jesus is on his way to die. He's going to the cross to fulfill every prophecy that was made of him back in the Old Testament. But on his way, he has to pass through Jericho. Now, Jericho was a major place for business. A lot of goods and services came and went through Jericho, so they set up customs offices to gather tax revenue for it, the Romans did. And wherever there was ancient taxation going on, there was a lot of corruption as well. And here we meet our wee little man, Zacchaeus. It says here that he was a chief tax collector and was rich. The term chief tax collector only shows up one other place, so it's difficult to know exactly what this is referring to. But as near as we can tell, this would have been middle management for taxes. You would have had the actual tax collectors who are going door to door and collecting the money from the people. But then you have these middle guys that are managing these lower tax collectors. And what Zacchaeus would have done is he would have been in a bidding war with other people for the right to be in this position. So he would have given Rome money in order to get to this spot and would hope that he would be able to skim enough off of the taxes to get back his bid plus a little bit of profit. So what we see here is we've got our lower tax collectors who are skimming tax money, 
And then we got Zacchaeus and his crew that are skimming off money that are getting it off to the Romans. All this to say is that Zacchaeus is smack in the middle of one of the most corrupt places that you can find. And he's made quite a living off of it. But he grew to be very rich doing this. And for chief irony, Zacchaeus means righteous is the name. And it would seem like this is not a great candidate for someone to be transformed by Jesus or found by him at all. He would have been very deeply unpopular in his community. So to put it in modern terms, I saw a documentary recently about a man whose name was Scott Tucker. Might not have heard of him. But he founded a couple of payday loan businesses. These are the guys that will take in your paycheck and will give you a little bit of extra advance on that and will usually have exorbitant interest prices that are on that. So you end up paying back a lot more than you end up getting from these things. Now, most of the time, there are laws to keep people from charging too much. I don't think that's enough, but anyway, this man took it to a new extreme. He set it up so that he could hide how much he was charging of this interest. So he would charge people four to seven times the amount of money that they were borrowing. And he had managed to pocket about $400 million for himself, mostly out of the wallets of poor and desperate people. Well, the feds finally caught him. He is spending the next decade and a half in a federal prison somewhere in Pennsylvania. This wasn't the first time that he has done this either. And he was interviewed for this documentary. And they asked him, do you consider yourself to be a moral person? He paused for a moment and finally said that he was a businessman. That this is how he made his living. Now, how do you think you would feel about Mr. Tucker if he was to live in your neighborhood? thinking about how much money he is making off the backs of other people. We probably wouldn't like him very much, would we? If we were to meet him at the local Walmart, we probably wouldn't extend to him a cart so he doesn't have to work with it. Probably just kick the cart to the side, like, here, go get it. That's how it was for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the Scott Tucker of his city. He was rich off everybody else, and everybody knew it. So here now, in verse 3, in the hustle and bustle of the economy of Jericho, walks in the Prince of Peace as walking down the road. Zacchaeus sees him and just wants to get a glimpse of this famous teacher and miracle worker that he's heard so much about. We don't know why he wants to see Jesus. Is it because maybe he's heard that he's forgiven tax collectors like him? It's hard to know. The very least, it seems like he just wants to get a glimpse of this celebrity that's walking through. But see, he has a problem. Zacchaeus is vertically challenged. He's short. And he can't see over the crowd of people that are not going to give him a view of Jesus probably block him and throw him an elbow to keep him away from seeing what he wants to see. So Zacchaeus runs on ahead and climbs into a tree, both of which were rather undignified in that culture. A tree would have been kind of like our oak tree today, would have been low leafy branches that he'd be able to climb up into and be able to see out of. 
here we can kind of see a similarity to um, that Luke has been pulling together of blindness. Here, the blind man couldn't see, and the crowd was trying to block him from seeing Jesus. And now we're seeing the same thing in Zacchaeus. He wants to see Jesus, but the crowd is blocking him out again. So now he's up in the tree. Jesus is about to pass by in this narrow way. And then Jesus stops again. Again, on the road to the cross, Jesus stops again and looks up into the tree, looks up into this guy that nobody else likes, nobody else wants to see, and says, Zacchaeus. He already knows his name. And says, come down quickly, for I must stay at your house. You can imagine Zacchaeus is thrilled. All he wanted to do was get just a glimpse of Jesus. And here he's getting Jesus to be a house guest for him. The word stay here could also be translated abide. In the same way that we see it in John 15. Abide with me and I and you. This is not a get a quick bite to eat and run. This is Jesus staying for an unspecified amount of time. It's going to hang for a while in the house of Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus is getting way more than he bargained for. Of Jesus coming and staying with him. Well, as you can imagine, the crowd is not very pleased about this. And the crowd wants to know why. Why would you go into a house like that? Don't you know who this is? You see, in that time, if you were to be a house guest and eat with someone who got their money like this, you were considered to be a partner in crime. After all, how do you think that ham got its, well, not ham, they would have been Jewish, but how, um, how do you think that beef got its way onto the plate? This meat was purchased by fraudulent tax dollars. And the idea that someone would come and eat with this sinner was abhorrent. Our culture's the same way. If we were to go and seem to have a great time over at the house of Scott Tucker, the guy who had bilked $400 million out of poor people, we would say, why are you with him? Why would you be with someone like that? Now, unfortunately, these sometimes questions like that have to be asked because a lot of times people aren't going in there to seek and save the lost. But Jesus is different. It's wonderful that he is. Jesus is here to seek and save the lost, even the ones who we don't think could be. It seems rather impossible. Here, it's the worst kind of person, a tax collector. And furthermore, he's rich. We remember what we looked at last time in 18, that it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven. This seems about as hard as it gets. Corrupt, rich guy, and rich off of corruption. And we would think that's impossible. But that's because we haven't seen Jesus at work yet. We haven't seen him do this enough. Jesus is really quite good at seeking and saving the lost. Now, why is that? It's because he made them. He put them there. He knows exactly where they are and where he needs to go. I remember in my youth minister days, I took the kids to one of these breakout games. If you've never heard of this thing before, they take you into this room, they put you in, and you've got to get through this door on the other side. 
But in order to do that, you've got to find enough objects in the room to put together a puzzle that unlocks the door. Now, these things are really quite difficult, and you are watched the entire time. And if you need a hint, you can ask the, the manager and say, could you give us a hint, and they'll point you in the direction of where you're supposed to go. Now, they know all of this because they designed the puzzle. They know where all the pieces are and can direct you exactly where you need to go. Jesus is the same way. He built the puzzle. He built the people. He knows where they are. He put them on that street. He put them in that school. He put them in that workplace. He knows. And this should give us more boldness to pray for that. When we ask for that family member that's wandering, or when we're praying for the soul of our coworker, this is not us trying to tell God, hey, there's one over here that you might not have heard about. But Jesus says, yeah, I know where that person is. That's why I put you there. That's why we are where we are. He's always aware of where the lost are. And he's always looking, even up the tree on his walk over. I think there's something we can draw from that because we're supposed to be on that same business, aren't we? Jesus' mission of seeking and saving the lost is our mission too. And sometimes the person that we're supposed to seek and bring to Jesus is right in front of us. But most of the time, they're not wearing a sign that says, non-Christian, please evangelize. Most of the time, we've got to kind of look for them. Got to have our eyes open. Maybe look up some trees for a little bit. Always be open to what Jesus has in front of you. He's put you where you are for a reason. He's got you in your circle of friends for a reason. You're in your neighborhood, not by accident. You don't have the kids you've got just by a roll of the dice. All of those things have been put there by Jesus. And you say, it's like, but I'm nothing special. Yeah, Jesus knows that. It's okay. You're not perfect. No one is. But he's placed you in those spots. You to find those people. Again, this isn't something that would discourage evangelism. It's something that you encourage us. We have guaranteed success. He's put you out there. Go and find them. But maybe there's something else we can draw from that. Maybe today you're the lost one. And saying, well, I feel very far from Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I've never even heard of Jesus before. Watching us online. It's not to say that we've got to climb mountains to find Jesus. He's looking for you. He is seeking you out. That's what we see here in this text. So how do we respond when he's found you? We have looked at so far that Jesus seeks and saves the lost. And here he is. We have brought us to the point where he has sought and has found Zacchaeus. So what does he do with the found? That's what we're going to look at in our second point. That Jesus transforms the found. Jesus doesn't just find people lost and then leave them lost. He changes their heart. And we can see this in really dramatic fashion. Here, apparently, in the space of one conversation, Zacchaeus comes to believe in Jesus. 
Now, again, we don't have the full transcript of their conversation, but this was apparently quite a 180 for someone who has built his entire life on corruption. He meets Jesus and he is immediately changed. The man who used to be all about money now becomes someone who's all about the poor. He gives half of his stuff away to the poor. And then what does he do with the other half? Well, he has to pay back those people that he's defrauded. So he's going to give them back four times what he took. Now, by any and all standards, this man has gone completely crazy generous. In that culture, you were 20% of your goods was considered very generous. And to really give away anything more than that was considered unwise. Lest you become a necessary charity case in their culture. It was also considered crazy of how much he was giving back. You see, at the law at that time, if you voluntarily came up and said, hey, I've cheated someone, you were supposed to give that money back plus 20% penalty. So if you stole 100 bucks from someone, you had to give your $100 back and you had to give them 20 extra dollars as your restitution to them, saying that you were sorry and here's how we gave them back. Zacchaeus is going far and above of giving back their $100 plus 300 more in what he has stolen from them. Here when Zacchaeus says, if I have defrauded anybody, it would be better translated wherever I have defrauded people. Zacchaeus knows what he's done. And this would be quite a job for someone to do. This is going to cost Zacchaeus a lot of money to give this back. But what is he going to gain? He's going to gain Christ. And all of that from just one encounter with Jesus. Transformation of a heart. Here, Zacchaeus has shown what model repentance looks like. And what it's like to have an encounter with Christ. Zacchaeus' sin was his love of money and being willing to do whatever it takes to get it. And after meeting Jesus, he is so done with that sin that he goes completely in the other direction. That's a good model for us. Whatever sin that it is that we have in our life when Jesus found us, we're to be done with it. Walk away from it entirely and do whatever it takes to be done with it. If our sin was looking at pornography, then be, be done with that. Put a filter on your devices or get rid of them entirely if that's what it takes. Be done with that sin. Or if we're saying that, well, I've not been ignoring my marriage. Don't just say that we're going to work on it. Take concrete steps to make that happen. Seek out other people. Put a date night on the calendar. Or whatever sin that it is. We have been known to lie, then commit to being honest. And any time that we lie, that we are going to come back and make that right. Let's be serious about this. Now, is this how we get to heaven? Absolutely not. Jesus, or excuse me, Zacchaeus was not saved because he gave his money away. Otherwise, that's how we would see this in all of Scripture. No, he was saved because of his faith in Christ that led him to do all of these things. This is what a transformed life looks like. You can't have an encounter with Christ and not be changed. 
I've used this illustration before, but if I was to say that I was late in coming this morning because I was hit by a delivery truck and I was to stand with you in this state, you would disbelieve me. I can't have an encounter with a truck and still remain unchanged. And in the same way, I can't say that I've had an encounter with Jesus Christ, that I have formed a relationship with Christ and my life be completely unchanged. We're not going to be perfect. I don't want to give that impression. But if there's no difference before and after coming to Christ, maybe you haven't met him yet because this is what he does. He transforms him. And this leads into an entirely different frame of mind for Zacchaeus and that he trusts Jesus even to the point where he can become, by all cultural standards, foolishly abandoning of his riches because he knows he has something so much deeper under his feet. I was at the Spanger's home a few weeks ago and Tim had me try on his um, uh, virtual reality headset. If you don't know what that is, it's kind of like having a video game screen strapped to your eyes and speakers over your ears. It's a very immersive experience. And I remember he loaded up this game for me. I'm in an elevator. It opens up, and there's this long, thin plank going out over this really long drop of a street below. And Tim said, okay, now walk out onto the plank. And I very hesitatingly shuffled my way forward. Now, I'm not on a plank high above the street. I'm still on Tim's very solidly built kitchen floor. But I was believing what I saw with my eyes, that I was in a dangerous spot. Got worse when Tim said, all right, now step off the plank. I said, what? (laughs) And I didn't do it at first. I had to be convinced to walk over here a little bit, and I was still on the floor. And even as the street was rapidly accelerating towards my face, I could feel my heart go faster, and because I was looking at what was in front of me. Now, was I in any actual danger? Of course not. I still had the solid foundation of the floor underneath me, even though all of my senses were telling me otherwise. And that's how it is when we come to Christ. It's not to say that the world that we see in front of us is fake or some sort of an illusion. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that there is a whole lot more to our lives than just what we see. And we can get the world's perspective strapped to our face and look around and see money and pride and power and sex and assume that that's what life is about. And take faltering, very slow steps forward, trying to stay on the thin plank of the world's success. And it can feel very alarming when we step off of it and the world comes at us and is saying we've done something wrong. But if we're willing to get a new perspective here, if Jesus will come and let us peek out from underneath those goggles for a minute and see that we're standing on a very solid foundation that Christ has promised, who knows every bird that flies over our head and not a sparrow drops without him being aware of it, that he'll take care of us too. And that wherever repentance leads us, that we can be bold to follow. Does it look like giving up half of our stuff to the poor and living a life of less? It might be. 
Does it look like finally being honest with your spouse? It might be. Does it look like having uncomfortable conversations or saying, I was wrong to your children? It might. And we could say, well, repentance is going to cost me a lot. Yeah, it will. But Christ is underneath that. Put the goggles aside for a second. Get what life is really about. Who Jesus really is. And you'll find something much better than what the world has put in front of your face. So what's our takeaway today? What we take away from this passage is that Jesus seeks and finds lost people to transform. That's what we see here in these last two verses. Verses 9 and 10, that Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. Meaning he was an ethnic Jew, but he was also part of that promise of Abraham, that there would be a nation of people that would be the Lord's. And again, verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. That was his point. That's why he had to stay at Zacchaeus' house that day. That was his mission. And that still remains his mission today. Now, it might be that there are some names that come up in your mind of folks that you wish that he would just find already. Because they've been lost for a while. You've been praying for them for a long time. And it doesn't seem like he's getting to it all that quickly. It's not because Jesus isn't aware of them. He knew Zacchaeus' name before he met him. It's not that Jesus is mean, right? He doesn't care about the lost. He does. That's his whole mission. We don't know why sometimes Jesus takes a while to come to some people and not others. It might be here for Zacchaeus. I could imagine people might have been praying for him for a long time as he started out as a little tax collector and was gaining more and more and more money and working his way into middle management that just seemed like Zacchaeus was getting further and further and further away from Jesus. But all that time, Jesus was looping him back. We get to the point where all Zacchaeus wanted was just a glimpse. And he got the full taste of Jesus. And now he's here in our passage today. Might it have been different if Jesus found him immediately? Might it have been different if he had grown up and been faithful all his life? Maybe we wouldn't have this example of this immediate turnaround and display of Jesus' power. And the same might be true for whoever it is that you're praying for today. It might seem like it only they're getting further and further and further away from Jesus. And you think, God, what are you doing? You're going to miss him. But that's not what's happening here. They can never go any further away than God can go and find them. He knows where they're going. He sees it. He'll find them. So we pray for that. Does it mean that everyone that we pray for will come to faith? But we don't know what it's going to be. So go boldly. Take the gospel to them. Seek and find them. Because that's what Jesus is doing. Or maybe, as we thought of earlier, 
Maybe you're sitting here and saying, it's like, well, maybe I don't know Jesus as much as I thought. My life has remained pretty much the same. Or maybe you say, well, I've known of Jesus and I've been satisfied to stay up in the tree and see Jesus from where I am, but I'm hidden by the leaves. Don't want to get too close to this guy because he might ask a lot of me. I would invite you to come down from, from the tree. It's been good that Christ has brought you into a place where you can see him. And I'm, that's you here today. I'm so glad that you're here. Because this is your opportunity to know and be transformed by Jesus. To know him deeply. And to be unafraid of where he takes you. It might cost you a lot of worldly things, but you were going to lose that anyway. You weren't taking your money with you. You weren't taking your house with you. All of that stuff's going to go away. But your relationship with Christ will last forever. Jesus has done a lot to come and find you. It wasn't just here on the road to Jerusalem where Jesus found Zacchaeus. But ultimately on the cross, when Jesus went and paid for all of Zacchaeus' sins. See, Zacchaeus still committed a lot of crimes. And those didn't go away just because he turned over a new leaf. We often think that's how sin works. We'll go out and we'll cover up it with some good stuff. That's not what God Zacchaeus paid for. What paid for Zacchaeus' theft was Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus made it so that it was, it was as if Jesus had stolen all of those things. He took Zacchaeus' record, put his own name on it, and endured all of God's just wrath against Zacchaeus onto himself. And that's true and can be true for all of us here. If we're honest, we've got a long list of things that we need to be punished for. But you don't have to be. Because Jesus came and died on the cross for you and then rose from the dead. So he is still around. He is still seeking and searching and will find. So I pray that would be the case for you today. That you will, like Zacchaeus, come and joyfully receive Christ. Put your full trust in him. And by turning to him, that means you've turned away from all those other things that kept you from him. All those sins, all those darling things that you thought were building up your life. That fake video game screen that you thought you were winning. To pull that off, leave that aside, and follow after Christ. And if you're here today and you're not sure where you stand, please come and see me. Nothing would make me happier than to bring you to the one who's seeking for you. And if you have been found by Christ, and if you have tasted the sweetness of joyfully receiving him, then I would say it's time to go and seek and find others. Bring them along the road. Help them to see the one who is seeking after them. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much for seeking and saving us. We did not deserve to be found, but you found us. We do not deserve to be transformed, but you will transform us. So I pray that if there's anyone here that has not come to, their, to faith in Christ, that they would surrender today, that they would hold nothing back, and that they would follow after you wherever you take them. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.